Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Okay, so it's a great privilege for me to come and bring a word this morning. And I'm always quite humbled by people that say, oh, we love it when you speak, Elena. And I think I've figured out why, because you think I'm kind of funny. But the problem is, and don't ever, ever tell my brother and sister I'm about to say this, but I'm actually the least funny in my family. Like, my brother and sister, genuinely hilarious. Me, dragging on their coattails, going, please take me with you. So, um, I'm glad you think I'm funny. So, I thought today what I would do was bring a non-funny message about an existential crisis I've been having. <laughs> Does that sound good? Yeah. Great. You all sound really excited. So, the, some of you might realise that the last couple of years have been a little bit different than normal. We've had some different things going on. We've spent a lot of time at home. We've... Uh, freaked out anytime someone's coughed or sniffed. We've had to wear weird things over our faces. The last couple of years have been a little bit strange, and I don't know whether that's contributed to some of the questions I found myself asking. And I thought maybe I was losing it, and I'd sit at home with Dan, and I'd be like, oh my goodness, Dan, I'd be in tears, and I'd be talking to him about it, and he'd be like, okay, what's wrong? And then I'd come to work, and I'd tell Russ, Russ, there's something really wrong with me. I don't know what's going on. And then, over the last couple of months, I have had so many conversations where other people have come to me, for some reason, and said, this is how we feel. And I've gone, oh, it's not just me. And I really have felt like God has been trying to, like, pull something out of these threads of questions. I will tell you what they are. I'm not just going to hold you on the edge of your seat. But I've really felt like God has been trying to pull something from me in response to this. And I've been like, but why, Lord? Why are you asking me when I'm struggling with these questions too? And I've really felt like God's going, well, isn't that a good place to come from? Isn't it sometimes a place where some, when you're struggling with something that you start to really delve into the Bible and start to listen to what God is saying and going, okay, this isn't just a me problem. This is maybe a lot more than a me problem. So some of the questions that I've been having, are you ready? What am I doing with my life? I genuinely, <laughs> Katie's laughing at me. Where am I going with my life? What is my purpose? Am I even making a difference? And some of you sat there going, oh, Lena, goodness sake. And some of you sat there going, oh my goodness, it's like she's reading my mind. And genuinely, these are some of the questions that I have found myself asking. And I think part of the reason is that the last two years we've sort of stalled Things that we maybe would have done, we haven't done. I'm two years older and yet don't feel like I've achieved as much in the last two years that I maybe would have done had it not been for a global pandemic. Now, I could sit back and go, well, that's not my fault. It's fine. I'm just going to figure it out and carry on. Or we can look at what that means for us. So if this isn't you and you're going, I've got my life figured out, 
don't know what she's talking about, then you can get a crossword out or do whatever you want for the next 15, 20 minutes, right? But if this has piqued your interest slightly, then listen up, right? Because I don't think this is just a 29-year-old problem. I don't think this is just a youth problem. I think this is genuinely taken over our globe in a way that nobody expected. And I really felt like God has been sticking me right in the heart about this. So one of the big things that growing up, I grew up in the church, not this church, but I grew up in a church similar. It was actually called New Life Church as well. And um, I grew up an amazing church, great young people, incredible youth group that I was part of. But one of the big rhetorics, one of the big themes that was pushed across in the youth culture at the time was this, you are going to be a world changer. And they were so excited about it. And we'd all be like, yes, we're all going to change the world. This is amazing. And we're constantly being told, you're going to be a world changer. You're going to be, you're going to change the world. Come on, you're going to. And you'd hear these amazing stories. I remember this one guy came to our youth conference. And they always get the best people to do these bits. And got this guy to come to our youth conference. He talked about this story where he stood up on a table in his canteen at his school, told the gospel and like 90% of the school turned to Jesus. And then he was like, and you can do that too. Yes, we're all going to change the world. And now at 29, I look back and go, I didn't, I didn't do that. What happens if I don't change the world? What happens if uh, the world isn't any different after I've left? What happens if I don't become the best childhood trauma and attachment practitioner there is in the world? In case you didn't know, that's the things I'm passionate about. What, what happens if, if nobody ever invites me to speak on the stage at a national conference? What happens if I genuinely don't change the whole entire world? You know, not all of us can be as forward as maybe a Greta Thunberg, who is trying her best at the age of, what is she, like 15, to change the entire landscape of the world. And I look back and I was like, at 15, what was I doing? I was not getting a boat across the world to tell world leaders about climate change. I was probably going, Mum, can I please have KFC for dinner? And the answer was always no. So, but we often celebrate, regularly celebrate, the fact uh, that those people that we, that we deem to be making enough of a difference. We celebrate those that look like they've got it all together. We celebrate those that look like they're changing the world. And um, a few years ago, a news article came out about a young woman. She was 19 years old. And it, the title of the news article was this, Kylie Jenner, self-made billionaire. What have you done? And I was like, oh, way up. 19, self-made billionaire. Well, I know she's not a self-made billionaire. She came from a family with money. So she had a good start. And she also had business managers galore to help her build her makeup empire. I think that's what she does. And at 19, she's a self-made billionaire, right? And I was, what, 24, 25? And I'm going, um, I think I've maybe got 50 quid in the bank. And uh, we'll be doing well to get through to the end of this month with 50 quid still left in the bank. And I was genuinely like, I, I know it sounds silly. She, she's a, a makeup 
person, right? She's found fame because of something one of her sisters did a million years ago. She hasn't actually, in one sense, really made a difference in the world, but yet she's celebrated for making a difference. And people look at people like that and go, whoa, aren't they amazing? I aspire to be like that. We see that the, the beauty industry has taken off massively because of women like this that stand there and go, I've got it all together. And women like me and you and men like you that stand there and go, hold on a minute, I don't look like that. Well, neither do they. Let me just put that out there. It's the plastic that's done the work. But we look at people like that and we go, have I really made a difference? Am I really doing enough? Am I really enough myself? And here's a thing that God has punched straight in the, between my eyes over the last couple of months. He doesn't want world changes. He wants obedience. And so often we're going, I, I need to be the best at this. I need to be the best person at whatever job I'm doing. I need to climb the corporate ladder. I need to be the best teacher in the world. I need to be stood on stages telling people. And in fact, God's not saying, yep, I want each of you to do that. He's saying, no, I want obedience. Because when we are obedient to God, we find that stuff does change. Our world as a whole might not look a whole lot different, but your world might. And so often, we put our value in our world-changing abilities, and God doesn't. God isn't asking us to change the world by what we do. He's asking us to be obedient to him, and his world will change because of our obedience. So, I thought I'd inspire you with some obedient people or obedient moments in the Bible. Some people that did some obedient things, okay? They weren't always obedient, as we'll, we'll find out. But Noah, he built a boat. That did actually change the world, so it might be not a very good example. But Noah built a boat. He'd never seen a boat. He didn't know what rain was. God told him to build a boat. Noah was obedient and had no idea what would come from his obedience. Moses went back to Egypt. Esther protected the Jewish people. Daniel kept praying. Now, these people, I would argue, did actually change the world. Because without those acts the world wouldn't have changed. So I thought, I'm going to find some of the more obscure people in the Bible that some of us go, who is that? So when I mention their name, you might be like, I've never heard of that person. Don't panic, okay? First one, the woman at the well. We don't even have a name for her. She is that insignificant in accordance to changing the whole entire world, except for the fact that her obedience to Jesus in a moment where he met her changed her entire life. She went back to her village and told them of the goodness of this Jesus that she had just met. World changed. Not the world, her world. And we don't know her name. We'd, I don't know anything about her other than the fact that she'd had a lot of husbands and Jesus challenged her but loved her and her world changed. The second person, Obed-Edom. This guy comes up in the Old Testament 
over and over, right? In fact, there's a whole section in the Old Testament where you keep going, is this the same guy, Obed-Edom, he's here again? So basically, he looked after the Ark of the Covenant. He was a doorkeeper. He was on the hospitality team, okay? And he was a worshipper. He worshipped God with, uh, with instruments. Obed-Edom was obedient in his service to God. And actually, the Bible tells us that through his obedience, God blessed his household. His home was blessed. His family was blessed due to his obedience. I don't know whether his family were obedient, but he was. Imagine that. Imagine your obedience has generational impacts on the people in your family. Imagine your obedience right now. Whether your kids are being obedient or not, your obedience changes their lives. Imagine. JL, one of my favorite stories to tell in kids' ministry ever. (laughs) She put a tent peg through somebody's head. Yeah, I'm not advocating violence at all, right? I like to get a bit feisty every now and then, but I'm not advocating violence, but JL did what nobody else would do. There was sin going on in the tents of the Israelites, and JL took a stand and did what nobody else would do, and her obedience eradicated the sin right there and then. Now, let's not go murdering anyone. But sometimes we do have to take a stand that is uncomfortable, that doesn't look very popular, that everybody else, even Christians around you might be going, wait, hold on a minute, but you know God has called you to be obedient and stand for what is right. That's what JL did. And then Anna, a beautiful woman in the Bible. And I say beautiful not because of how she looked, because I've got no idea, but because of the heart of this woman. She was a faithful servant. God had given her a promise, and yet she didn't see this promise fulfilled, and the Bible tells us, until she was old in years. And yet she didn't stop being obedient. She could have gone, well, my husband's died, or this bad thing's happened, or that's happened, Well, why? And, and the promise that God has given me still hasn't come to fruition. Yet she continued to be obedient. And then when the promise that God promised her came to fruition, when she saw the baby that was Jesus Christ in the arms of Mary, she knew immediately, and God blessed her obedience. What a woman. I love the story of Anna. She's, everyone focuses on Simeon because... Well, maybe because he's a man, but Anna, what a woman. What a woman. So Deuteronomy 10, 12 says this. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in obedience to him, to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? We are asked over and over and over again to be obedient. I don't know what that obedience will look like for you, don't know necessarily what it will always look like for me, but what I do know is that God hasn't asked me to find a way to make myself bigger. He's asked me to be obedient to him. He's asked me to to set aside all of my goals, all of my desires, and to be obedient to him. And one of the amazing things about it is that when we're obedient to him, God often honors us. God often looks at us and goes, thank you, I, I will bestow on you this blessing, or I will, will, we will do this thing together. And I don't do it because we want to be the best ever, but we do it because we want to serve our God. Yeah. 
We want to be like these people that most people don't ever look at their stories in much depth. And yet Anna, completely obedient and faithful in service to God. She got to see Jesus in flesh. Obed-Edom, who continued to serve and give because, well, nobody else wanted to have the Ark of the Covenant in their house because it was seen as being a little bit, not too sure what this will result in. And yet he was obedient to the call of God. But what happens when we flip it the other way and maybe we are disobedient? Maybe we don't hear that word very often as adults because we think that word is reserved for children and children alone. But I've met some very rebellious adults. I've had moments of rebellion myself, my mum will tell you. But disobedient moments in regards to the call of God can cost a huge amount. Eve was disobedient and ate from the fruit in the garden. It changed the course of the world. Lot's wife was disobedient and looked back from where she had come and got turned into salt straight away. King Saul was disobedient and made a sacrifice before Samuel had got there and he lost his crown in that moment. David and Bathsheba, they were disobedient and committed adultery and changed the course of their futures. You see, I don't want to dwell hard on the disobedience stuff because we all know the impacts of disobedience. We've all either experienced it or we've all either done it. Like, I'm not going to stand here and pretend that we're all perfect because, good grief, we're not. We've all made mistakes. But those moments in which we actually outwork disobedience purposefully, because that's what was going on here, it changed everything. And the amazing thing is that our God is kind. Our God is merciful and you look at the, st- the story of David and Bathsheba, I've recently read a, a, a novel on it, and wow, I was challenged to my core when I read this story, because I've always felt a bit sorry for Bathsheba, but actually, I read this story, and it was the disobedience of two people, and allowing sin to enter into their lives, allowing themselves to get caught up in a moment, and yet God still blessed them afterwards, like yes, that there was consequences immediately after. But yet we see in repentance, the goodness of God followed. God didn't go, hey, that's it. You are wiped out. This is it, done. God said, no, I give you a chance to repent. I give you a chance to say sorry. I give you a chance to obey once again. And so often we see we see, we read these stories and we can see the butterfly effect of obedience and disobedience. We can see either the immediate take hold of disobedience or we can go, well, yeah, that person was obedient there, which changed that, which did that, which did that, and then the whole world was different. But you know what? Some of those people probably had no idea that their obedience would affect anyone but themselves. And this is the thing I felt incredibly challenged on. When we stand and we say, what difference am I making? What difference can I make? Am I this world-renowned person? Am I the best in my field? Am I this? Am I that? And God says, are you being obedient? 
What difference can you make? Your obedience can actually change generations. Your obedience can actually make a difference where you are. Your obedience can actually be the thing that shows Jesus to another human being. So instead of saying, oh, like, what difference am I making? And instead of just celebrating those that seem to have it all together and it's all perfect and amazing and they're where we wish we could be, how about we celebrate the next step? That next step of obedience. You see, what happened was, Noah, I got really passionate about this the other day, talking to Dan about it, and I got so passionate that words came out of my mouth. I went, Noah built the willy-nilly boat, Dan! And Dan went, please don't say that from the stage. Well, I have now, so you are welcome. But Noah built the boat. You see, God said to him, Noah, build the boat. And Noah didn't just stand there and go, okay, yes, Lord, I'm being obedient in the fact that I've got all the tools and I've got all the equipment. I've got all, the wood is here. It's, it's, we're ready. God said, build the boat, not just stand there and wait for it to magically appear. And sometimes it requires us to take a step. God has said, do, and we go, okay, I don't know what this will look like. And Noah, Noah was like, okay, I've never seen a boat. Why would they have needed a boat? Why would he have needed a boat? Living in a landlocked area where there had never been torrential rain ever. Why would he have needed a boat? Oh, because God told him to build the boat. And so he's building this strange thing. He's building this thing. Apparently all these animals come. I mean, you know, he does this thing. And God is going, just take the next step. Hammer the next bit of wood. You know that old Sunday school song? God said to Noah, build me a boat. Tell all the people, get ready to float. Some of you are looking at me like, I've never heard that in my life. (laughs) Knock, knock, hammer, hammer, saw that wood. No, okay, that's fine. (laughs) My mum knows it. That's maybe why I know it. My mum knows it. (laughs) You can see what sort of childhood we had. Knock, knock, hammer, hammer, saw that wood. Having a great time at home. Uh, <laughs> waiting for our KFC, exactly. Never came, Andy. Never came. And now I don't eat meat, so I'm just. <sighs> but Noah took the next step. So, what does obedience look like for you? What is God asking? Some of you will have those specific things that God is asking of you. Maybe that obedience looks like He does want you to do further study, so you need to take the next step and apply for something. Maybe God is saying to you, okay, the next step, I need you to start bringing your kids to church. Come on. Maybe the next step that God is asking of you is to open your home to somebody. Who knows what that looks like? When, when me and Dan were just married, about to get married, we had a couple that were in our church ask us if we would volunteer to look after their child as a foster child. And so we were like, yeah, sure, no problem. And then we got married and they were like, would you like take the next step and become like legal respite foster carers? And we were like, what? What does that entail? And we weren't sure whether this was what God had asked us to do or not. Because we had not had this booming voice. Nobody, God had not written it in gold across the wall. There wasn't sky writing. Nobody had come and said, God's given me a word for you. But we just said, okay, Lord, if it's the right thing, we'll take the next step. And if it's not right, you'll shut the door. 
And that was six and a half years ago that we took that step and we have had dozens of children through our home who have all heard about Jesus, who have come and been part of church. You'll see different kids with us every now and then. You'll be like, who have they brought with them now? These are kids that we, we bring and have come and be part of our lives. They come and be part of our family until they don't come anymore. And we took that next step and opened up our home. And you know what? There was moments where that was quite scary because of violent behavior, because of dysregulation, because we might have things stolen. And now we have our own daughter. And what does that look like now? And yet we felt God continue to prompt us, come on, keep taking the next step, keep doing what's right. And so what is God saying to you? Maybe you don't have the writing on the wall, and yet you've got this nudge in your spirit. You know what? If you're being obedient to God and you take the next step and it's not the right thing, God will shut the door. I truly believe that. I truly believe that if we are trying to align ourselves with the heart of God and we are trying to be obedient, that God will go, hey, I get your heart behind this. This isn't the right time or this isn't the right thing. And God will shut that door but make it obvious where maybe where you're going next or which next step to take. Our obedience may go greater, may impact more than we have ever imagined. Who knows what seeds you're planting? Who knows what difference you're making? Who knows the fact that when you wanted to throw the towel in and go, I am completely done with this, and yet you continue to be obedient, who knows whose life you've changed? Obedience isn't always easy, but it's always the right thing. And in our obedience to God, we might not change the whole entire world. But, you know, if enough of us are being obedient to God, the world does change. God wants our obedience. He's not asking us to be world changers. He's asking us to be obedient servants. So what happens when you don't know what God is asking you to do next? You've got no idea. There isn't even a nudge in your heart. What, what should you do then? Micah 6.8 tells us this, at justly love mercy and walk humbly with God. James 1.27 tells us to look after the orphan and the widow. Matthew 22.37 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Everything else flows from it. And when we align ourselves with the heart of God, there's that verse in the Bible that says, God will give you the desires of your heart. And for so long, that the story that was bought from that was that whatever you want, God will give you. It's just not true. Because I believe that that verse comes from a place of, if you love God and you align yourself with the heart of God, his heart's desires become your heart's desires. And you want to be obedient to that because you love him. And so suddenly we go from wanting to walk our own way and do our own thing to wanting to walk in accordance and in line with what God has got for us, what he has for his people. And so often we look at this stuff as this individual, well, what about me? It's not always about you. Sometimes it's about us looking and going, Lord, what is it that you're asking of me to change my world? to change the people around me. You know that faithful parent that's continued to love Jesus and serve him, but yet their kids are off doing what they want? Hey, keep being obedient. Because you have no idea 
the impact that your obedience will make on them. That young person who has decided that, hey, I'm not going to go off and just do what all my friends are doing and I'm not going to get sucked into the crowd. I'm going to follow the word of God and I'm going to believe in what he says. Hey, he's going to honor that. Keep following him. You know, as you look at your job and go, I don't know if I'm making a big enough difference. I don't know if anyone's going to remember my name. Doesn't matter. Will they remember Jesus because of you? And these are some of the questions that I feel that God has been asking is this. If we're going to change the story from me to him, if we're going to change the story from world changers to obedient servants, here are some of the questions we need to ask ourselves. Whose life is being left better because of you? How are you and have you left a Jesus-shaped imprint on your world? Because if we do, wow. Jesus is asking us to take that step with him. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe you are going to change a policy in this country that's going to make our country a better place. Or maybe you're going to walk into your classroom on a Monday morning as a teacher or a student and you're just going to be Jesus to that classroom. I say just. What a privilege. Maybe you're going to walk into the vet's that you work at, or you've taken your pet to, and instead of being that crazy pet owner who kicks off at the staff, you're going to be the person that goes, hey, thank you so much for all that you do. Maybe as you sit in a restaurant and the staff serve you and everyone else is kicking off because their food is late, you can go, you're doing a great job. You don't get paid enough for this. Maybe we can be those that are Jesus to our world. We, that's what we are called to. If, if there's nothing else that Jesus ever calls us to, we are called to be Jesus to our world. What does that look like in your world? And are you committed to being the best you that you can be? Not the best that you can be. The best you that you can be. You can only control what, what you are learning what you are putting into yourself, who you are becoming. Don't worry about the person on TV who somehow managed to make billions and change the world. Worry about you and the world that you're changing because of him. What is he asking of us? At the end of your life, when people stand up to give a eulogy, what is it that you want them to say? Oh, had billions in the bank. What a guy. Oh, yeah, no, traveled the world. Amazing. Had the biggest house. Never went in it. Had the biggest house. Or would you like them to stand and say, my world was left better because of them. I am better because of them. My children came to know Jesus because of them. They changed my world. I remember my granddad's funeral. People stood up to give eulogies at his funeral and not a single person told us how much he got in his bank account. Not a single person stood and said, oh yeah, no, he always had the best suits on. Nobody turned around and talked about the fact that he'd been on a national stage and changed the world because he hadn't. 
people suddenly talked about the fact that his faithfulness meant his whole family had come to, their whole families had come to know Jesus. People talked about the fact that he was a peaceful man in, in the riots in Belfast. People talked about the fact that he had imprinted Jesus on their world. What about you? If we are so chasing that world changer status, and I know I found myself there, just, I try to always be really honest. I found myself in a place going, I need to learn more about trauma and attachment so I can change everything, so I can get up on a stage and inform people about how they should raise their children. And God challenged me. Who is that for? You or me? It was totally for me. I wanted my name to be known instead of him. And so he is calling us and saying, hey, lay down the world changer, pick up obedience. Walk in obedience with me. And the amazing thing is, our lives we will see things that we never, ever, ever thought that we would see because of our obedience to him. You, you, whenever you listen to people who have spe- taken a lifetime of obedience to Jesus and have laid down their own agenda, you hear about the fact that they're, they've done things they never thought they would do, that God has blessed them in ways they never thought that would happen. And it's all been a surprise to them because they never wanted any of it because they're their whole priority was obedience to him. So I'm going to invite the band up and I'm going to close in a moment. But maybe you're sat there and going, I have worked so hard to try and be the best. I have, I have been plagued with these questions of, am I enough? Have I done enough? Who am I? Where am I going? And Jesus is saying, I hear you. Be obedient to me. It doesn't take away that tension sometimes or that pull of, oh, but I just want to do, or, or, or it would be easier if I had more, or, if it, or, or it would be better if I could. It doesn't take that tension away, but, but what it does, it refocuses us. What is Jesus calling us to do? Act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with him. He's asking us to love the least of those, to be him to people that need it, which is anyone that doesn't know him. And he's asking us to love him with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. So this morning, my challenge to you is this. Will you pick up obedience over everything else? That means laying down our own agendas. It means laying down our own arrogance and ego it means laying down our own hopes and dreams because actually if it doesn't align with what God wants me I don't want it anymore or at least that's what we say but is that actually the case and this is a massive challenge to me I'm not preaching from a place of like I've got this all together I'm preaching from a place of good grief this is hard but what I do know is that I never want to get to the end of my life and go, oh yeah, she was an amazing childhood practitioner, but did she know Jesus? I don't know. I want to get to the end of my life. I want to get to now. I don't want to wait until 
the end of my life. I want to get to know when people be going, oh, she just smells of Jesus. She just looks like Jesus. She sounds like Jesus. She brings Jesus to our world. Wouldn't it be an amazing thing if people were going, whoa, wow, you guys are a lot like Jesus. Whether they think that's positive or negative, I want to be obedient to him. And so that's my challenge to you. Do you, do you want to be obedient to him? Do you want to lay down all of that like human desire, which it's not a bad thing. You're not a bad person for having those desires. But, but if it gets in the way of our ability to be obedient to Jesus, it's just as bad as any other idol. It's just as bad as any, anything else. We want, I want, we should want to be fully obedient to him. So I'm going to pray for us. And then the band are going to continue to lead us. But Lord, thank you for your goodness you give us choice and you give us chance and you just continue to pour out your goodness on us and Lord Jesus would you just help us to lay down our human desire, our ego, our want to be world changers and would you help us just to be obedient to take the next step, to walk in obedience with you, to, to seek your heart's desires. Lord Jesus, would we be people that just leave imprints of you wherever we go? Would we smell of you? Would we sound like you? Would people be in no, would not be mistaken of the fact that we are followers of you, that we are obedient to you that Lord God whatever the next step is that we take whether it benefits us or not Lord God it's about being obedient to you and so Lord Jesus would you help us as maybe some of us are asking those questions of where we should go and who we are and what that looks like Lord God would you just help to remind us that it doesn't matter of any of that stuff if we're being obedient to you that you will continue to reveal yourself and your plans to us if we continue to be obedient to you Lord God, I just pray right now, would you settle the hearts of those that are just struggling? Struggling with uncertainty and feeling less than. What a terrible lie we believe. When you created us, we are yours. We are more than enough because you created us. And so Lord Jesus, would you help us as we commit to walking this journey with you, as we commit to obedience with you, as we lay down that which sometimes gets in the way, Lord Jesus, would you help us on this journey? Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.